Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome, Chiefs Kingdom, to this week's Out of Structure podcast. I'm here with my friend, Ron Cobb Jr. This is Matt Stagner from the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Today, we're going to truly get a little bit out of structure. We're going to throw a couple segments your way, and then we'll get to your Twitter questions in the second half. We'll start with Ron. Ron, how are you today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm just excited. You know, excited to get into another podcast with you. Appreciate it. Well, Ron, you put out your 53-man roster on Twitter of course, it's a very early projection and a lot can change, but based on this offseason with all the moves they have made, why don't you give us a quick rundown of who you see making this 53-man roster, and then we'll jump into some areas where we might disagree. Yes. So I'll go ahead and go right down the list from quarterback down. So right away, I got two quarterbacks, obviously Mahomes and then Chad Henney backing him up on the active roster. Got one fullback, Michael Burton, three running backs, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Daryl Williams, and Jarek McKinnon. Then I got three tight ends, Travis Kelsey, Noah Gray, and Blake Bell. And I know we've talked about Gray being a fullback slash tight end hybrid, but for now we're going to keep him at tight end. Uh, Receivers, I know this is where we'll probably have some disagreement. I got seven receivers. Tyreek, McCole Hardman, Antonio Callaway, kind of as those Z guys. And then Demarcus Robinson, Byron Pringle, Cornell Powell, and Marcus Kemp. And then so we're going to go to the offensive line where I got 10. They're keeping 10. Starters are Orlando Brown, Joe Tooney, Creed Humphrey, Kyle Long, Mike Remmers. And then the five behind them are Martinez Rankin, Trey Smith, Austin Blythe, Andrew Wiley, and Lucas Niang. On the defensive side, we'll go to the defensive line. I got nine of them. It'll be Frank Clark, Joshua Kando, Derek Naughty, Jaron Reed, Chris Jones, Tershawn Warden, and Mike Dana, Taco Charlton, and Tim Ward. So that's nine. Six linebackers we got going. It'll be Willie Gay, Anthony Hitchens, and Nick Bolton. Behind them, Dorian O'Daniel, Ben Neiman, and Kamala Correa. And so then they're going to go five cornerbacks. We'll have Charvarius Ward, Legere Sneed, Rashad Benton, Bo Pete Keys, and DeAndre Baker. Four safeties, Juan Thornhill, Tyron Matthew, Dan Sorensen, and Will Parks. And then finally, the specialists, the, the usual guys, Butker, Townsend, and Winchester. Where do you disagree with me on that, Matt? Well, a lot of it, I think, comes down to how the team sees their most recent free agent additions. So, first of all, with Parks, we've got Parks penciled in. I think you've got him penciled in with your safety group. Is that right? Yes, I do. So, Will Parks, in his time, especially in Denver, I think, played a lot on the slot, played some safety. He's done a little bit of everything. He's played some special teams. He's. Uh, I do like the addition. I think he's a high-energy player and somebody that can help in a lot of different ways. If you look at the depth chart the way it stands right now, the need really feels like it's bigger at cornerback. And maybe they like a guy like Parks as that slot corner that could allow Legereus Sneed to play outside. And then it really fills out your cornerback roster uh, with, with Parks 
as a cornerback. If he's a safety, then I think it, it changes things a little bit and you still have that need at corner. Yeah, I think Parks, I, I, I see Parks as a safety just because that's that's how he's played traditionally for the Denver Broncos. He's He's been a deep safety for them. But it, like you said, you, and lately these past few years, he's been playing more in the slot as a slot defender. I still think, though, you categorize him as a safety. That leaves Tyron Matthew to be able to, to stay out of the slot and maybe just roam around the back of the defense a little more. I mean, so I think Parks is going against Armani Watts for that fourth safety slot. Even though Watts hasn't played in the slot at all, he's not a slot defender. He's more of just kind of that that free safety type. I just think Watts, his special teams ability will be taken over maybe by Parks. And we haven't seen Watts on defense at all. So that's why I think you could see Parks categorize as safety and then push Watts off the roster. Yeah, that makes some sense. It, it really would portray a lot of confidence in the Chiefs cornerback group that they already have with the health of somebody like DeAndre Baker being a big question mark in that group. This could be a vote of confidence for Baker and the rest of the corners on the roster that they feel like they have enough in that room already to move forward. Or maybe there's another addition coming that we haven't seen yet at the cornerback position. I know that's been a couple of Twitter questions. If, if we think that corner is an issue or if they might add a corner, that is still an outstanding question. Uh, on my 53-man roster, I've got, I've got Parks as a cornerback just to fill out that group but that could certainly change, especially with another addition. Yeah, and so uh, another guy that I think you have some some positional difference on, maybe, and and I think I think it's a it's a fair point because we've seen him play two different positions in his career. Kamala Correa, the recent signing, you know, I have him slotted in as a linebacker. I think he'd be the starting Sam linebacker if the Chiefs had to play a game tomorrow. I think in a base formation, it'd be him, Hitchens, and Willie Gay as the three linebackers. But we've seen Correa as an edge defender, specifically for the Tennessee Titans in that 2019 AFC Championship game. You know, he had the two plays at the beginning of the game. He actually kind of shut down Mahomes and forced us into a third and long, uh, playing well off the edge, you know, playing disciplined football. So I think he could be an edge player, but I think his athleticism allows him to be a Sam linebacker. But if if he is an edge defender, I don't know, that, that could say a lot about the other edge players on the team. Maybe it's just a little bit of the fantasy football slash Madden approach to roster building right now. He obviously fills out the roster at the edge position on my depth chart. So I think, you know, I could see the Chiefs using him there because that that really does round out that group. It gives them another pass rushing presence off the edge, Some a guy with some experience. But he is really undersized for an edge in this system. So I could see him playing a linebacker. But they just haven't done that yet. They haven't had that rush Sam linebacker on this roster that is that is stuck. Yeah, I think Bolton kind of sit, fits in that category as well. As long as 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 long as Hitchens is on the team and he doesn't have a spot at the Mike linebacker, I think Bolton is also a guy that could give you some pass rush juice off the edge at Sam linebacker. So I think now they might have two options in that vein that you're talking about. I just think Correa is a more experienced player. And, we, and we've seen him. We've seen him play uh, decently well for a, a decent defense in the Tennessee Titans when he was, was there. He was on the Jacksonville Jaguars last year. So, yeah, I think he's a guy that, that could be kind of both of those, kind of a hybrid guy between Sam and Edge, depending on what the, the defensive formation is that play. That gives Bolton an interesting path to making the roster and making an impact if you can slot him in at that strong side position with Hitchens and Gay manning the other two linebacker spots as opposed to Bolton developing behind Hitchens as the future Mike, and then you still have this vacancy at the Sam linebacker position. So it would make sense in that vein. It really would be a departure from the typical edge player that the Chiefs have. 
So maybe if they see him as a Sam, maybe they've got confidence in Tim Ward and Mike Dana in taking that next step and being rotational players along with Taco Charlton. They can hold down that other side. That's nothing but a positive if that's the case. I'm just not sure that they have a, They feel like they have enough there yet. Uh, and obviously the rookie, Joshua Kando, is going to take a while before he's a big contributor, I think. Yeah, but I think you made a good point about it being a difference from what Spags usually does. You know, Mike Dana is not the typical Spags edge either, and he's played significant snaps for this team. He actually was a pretty good uh, run defender for this team last year. So maybe they are, you know, thinking they can get away with a smaller, uh, a less lengthy edge defender in some early down situations maybe. But like we said, Correa has some pass rush juice. So we'll see how that goes. But let's move on to the offensive line because there's also the question of, I have 10 offensive linemen making it. There could be nine offensive linemen making it. Last week, we agreed on 10, but I don't know, Matt. Are you flip-flopping on us on that? Or are you thinking nine of them? Come on now. It's the, it's the offseason. A lot can change. Everything's up in the air. Nobody really knows. You know, I was thinking 10 just because of how many guys they've brought in. All the new additions, plus the guys returning. There's just a ton of players there. A lot of competition. It's all a positive. Again, a lot of competition at different spots. You've got top-line starters, and you've got backups that would have been starters last year. You could really see some value in the practice squad this year, and maybe that is the answer to this question. So if they keep nine on the active roster, but they have a practice squad that has people like Prince Tega Winogo and Nick Allegretti, Yasir Durant, Daryl Williams, all of these players that we had some hope for development that are coming into pivotal years – that's a perfect compromise to have those guys on the practice squad. Then you can get by with nine on the active roster. So I see the difference here. I had Laurent Duvernay, Tardif on the roster, solidly on the roster, maybe even starting uh, at that right guard position until they drafted Trey Smith. To me, that sort of threw everything out of whack because your LDT versus, versus Kyle Long competition at right guard has now a third player in it and Trey Smith and maybe he steps in sooner than expected, then who do you keep as your backups? Well, the backups typically are the ones that have the most experience at multiple positions. LDT really has not played at more than one position so far in his Chiefs career. So maybe they go with nine, they cut LDT and Wiley, and go with Martinez Rankin as their ninth guy because he's got some tackle and guard experience, and he could be a depth player at multiple positions. Yeah, and I also think it's a good point about LDT. He's only been the chief starting right guard. But we gotta imagine I gotta imagine if LDT does lose that competition to Kyle Long or the team knows that LDT will be you know the backup to Kyle Long. I don't think LDT wants to be on this team if he's not going to be the starting right guard. I think he would he would prefer to be a starter on another team elsewhere. I think he's just a veteran player. He came from being a doctor, you know, uh, saving the world. I mean, I don't think he wants to come back and just sit on the bench and, and be moral support, you know? So I think I think he does have a no-trade clause, so I think that he would have to work with the Chiefs, and and if they do really think he's not going to become the starting right guard this year, I think we could see him be moved. You know, maybe it is just a trade. Maybe they, they release him knowing a team can pick him up. But I, I do think LDT, if he's not the starter, I just don't see him on the team, and that does open up a position for Rankin and Wiley, like you said. My thoughts on Wiley, I just think the coaching staff seems to love him. He's been on the team since 2017. He's been a starting player uh, in, in uh, some sort of role since 2018. He started at right guard. He started at left guard. He started at right tackle last year. He has that the versatility. 
And so he's also been pretty durable player. I'd, I'd say LDT, you've seen some injuries recently in his career. I know Wiley was hurt in 2019, but he actually came back and was ready to go in the playoffs. They just decided to keep Wisniewski in there, which I thought was a good move, you know, keep the continuity throughout the playoffs. But I think the coaching staff does like Wiley. So I think he does get a leg up on a guy like Allegretti or even a Rankin if they do come head to head. But I think I'm with you. I think Rankin and Wiley could make the team, especially if LDT's off. Sometimes it's the devil you know versus the devil you don't know. And I, I've seen, we've seen what Andrew Wiley brings to the table. We've seen him at tackle at times, and it really, I don't think it was pretty. So maybe you go with Rankin because he's a little bit more of an unknown, but potentially has some more upside. The other big question on the roster and the, the big difference in, in the way you've constructed your 53-man roster and the, what I have penciled in so far is wide receiver. Do you have six wide receivers as I have or seven wide receivers? The seventh man here in this situation looks to be Marcus Kemp on your roster. Uh, tell me what you think about Marcus Kemp and why they might keep seven over six. So I, I'd break down the roster offense versus defense. So I think you kind of have to, in a sense, uh, you know, hey, there's three specialists. So now that leaves you 50 players. So there's 25 offensive, 25 defensive. And I think the Chiefs are usually pretty clean about that. So when I, and I say that to preface that because when we have a running back room where I think they could just get away with only having three instead of four, that opens up another spot on the offense to keep somebody else. When you have a tight end group that, you know, you could keep four, they did last year at week one, uh, crazy enough, but you just go with three, that opens up a spot on the roster. And we've talked about the offensive line. They may not need to have an extra guy picked up on there just because there is positional versatility. Backup guys can play different positions. So that's why I think Kemp could sneak in as the seventh receiver. Hey, they have Tyree Kill, and then it's really a wide receiver by committee after him. I, I keep saying that term, and I know we usually use it for running backs, but there's no really standout wide receiver two on this team right now. They're hoping McCall Hardman can be that, but I think it's going to be a wide receiver by committee. So I think you just want bodies. And Kemp's a great special teams player. We know Tobe loves him. He's going to going to be standing on the table fighting for him to stay on the roster. I think Kemp, you know, may not see much offensively, but I think he is just a, a body that, hey, if they do, if they do have a you know, some injuries, he can step in and be, and be a guy. And he's just a good special teams player. So. I think the the need, the less of a need for running back and tight end where they don't have as many players in those groups allows the receivers to keep an extra player, allows Tobe to get his guy. And Kemp, you know, he was showing off some receiving ability in 2019 training camp before he went down with the torn ACL. Who knows? Kemp could be a guy that, that could just be a, a seventh guy that if he really needs to step in, could contribute as much as the fifth or sixth guy. It's an interesting point about wide receiver. I, I agree that it's Tyree Kill and then everybody else. And maybe it doesn't matter who's wide receiver two and who's wide receiver three and who's wide receiver four. Maybe it's more about specific roles, specific skill sets, things that they can do and bring to the table on certain plays and packages called for them. We know that McCall Hardman has some things that he can do that nobody on the, on the roster other than Tyree Hill can do. And maybe that's going to be the case for more of the receivers on down the depth chart. You don't have a clear hierarchy, but you've got some guys that can do different things. We think Cornell Powell has a really specific role carved out already just after being drafted as a post-up guy, the contested catch guy, a blocker and somebody who, who brings some strength to his game that's very different from what McColl brings. Does it matter really which one we call two versus which one we call three if they've all got roles and, exactly. and jobs that they can do? Marcus Kemp, to me, is purely a special teamer, and I think there's 
there has traditionally been a role for that, and it's, and you're down the roster players, especially at receiver and running back, have to be special teams player. So I'll buy that. But in my roster right now, I've got four running backs instead of seven receivers. So I've got six receivers plus four running backs. Basically, that means I'm keeping Darwin Thompson over Marcus Kemp at this point. I think running back's a position where you need bodies and you need special teamers, and they don't like to be thin at that position. They added Jarek McKinnon when they already had enough bodies, we thought, to go into the season uh, with Daryl Williams uh, behind Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. We didn't really see a strong need there. They added to the room anyway. I can see them going with four running backs, keeping Darwin on special teams, potentially inactive now and then. But he has that role. I think Darwin actually plays a lot like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in a slightly smaller package, but he plays in a similar style. So if Edwards-Hilaire is down, then maybe you're using more Darwin in, in some of his snaps and then allocating and then rotating the offense around the other guys. So I'm going to go with four running backs and keeping Darwin uh, over Marcus Kemp. Yeah, I like I like Darwin as a player. I, I've always thought Darwin should get a little more time. He's he's kind of hurt himself by putting himself in the doghouse with fumbles at times and just you know not really securing the ball as much as he probably should. I do think this year Clyde Edwards-Helaire should get the ball a lot more than he did in the past or did last year, and and I and I think that is a direct result of or that will result in the Chiefs only needing three running backs on the active roster, the, the game day roster. They could keep four, you know, like you're saying, for the 53-man, then deactivate Darwin Thompson for game days. But also, if the rules are the same as they are, or, you know, if, if it's not, and you can just bring practice squad players up like you usually can, I think you can just keep, you know, a couple guys like Elijah McGuire, Derek Gore on the practice squad, and bring them up if you need to. McGuire's a veteran that's been with this team before. Um, and, and Darwin could even still make the practice squad. You know, he, he's still eligible for the practice squad. So he could be a practice squad guy. Although I do think if we put him on their team, we'll probably pick him up. I think he's a talented enough player. Um, so I, I, another point I want to make about Darwin, though, is the, the coach has been, the, been buying for him since he's been in the NFL is his running back coach, Deshaun McCullough, is not the, the running back coach anymore. So I, I think that might make him the odd man out. And I think a Jarek McKinnon, who does have special teams ability. He's he's shown good special teams ability in his career. I think that might be the reason why Darwin is the odd man out, but I, I could see it going either way. Well, that brings us to another new segment. This one we call Bubble Watch 2021. Each week we'll each take one player who is on the roster bubble and talk a little bit about why we think their job is now in jeopardy or they're fighting for their roster spot. So this week we'll let Ron go first. Go ahead, Ron. So, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and talk about a guy we haven't talked about today, and that's linebacker Dorian O'Daniel. He's been on the team since 2018. He was a third-round pick, kind of a safety linebacker hybrid coming out of Clemson. We just haven't really seen him do much as, as an NFL player. We've seen him spy in certain situations against athletic quarterbacks like a Deshaun Watson. He does have a playoff sack, and, and because he, he was a spy in, those, in that playoff game, uh, divisional around 2019. But I, I just – I think the Chiefs are adding linebackers and, you know, Correa, we've kind of talked about could be an edge or a linebacker, but either way, they're adding bodies to that, that group that can play on the second level of the defense athleticism, you know, Bolton's an athletic guy. They actually had it similar 40 times. So I, I think Bolton could spell O'Daniel and what he's done. Cause I think O'Daniel, the reason he hasn't made the field as much as he probably could, it has to be football IQ, right? I just, he has the athleticism to do it. He has, it seems like he's a, he's a pretty good playmaker when he is in there. 
but I, it just doesn't seem like he has the IQ, I guess, and that's why he's not on the on the team, or he's just not getting the defense down. He's not on the field because of that. I think Bolton could come in, um, have that similar athleticism, maybe not as as fast as quick as O'Daniel, but similar athleticism and and maybe spell his role. But I still have him making the fifty three man roster as we as we speak right now. But who knows? I, I do think O'Daniel, you know, your your clock is ticking. It's the final year of your contract. They could cut him early if they really need to. But what about you? Yeah, I can see that on O'Daniel. He's certainly a guy that we've all had high hopes for at times in the past, and they have yet to come to fruition. Another player in a similar vein, I'll say this is one guy who was not doing backflips when the Chiefs signed, Jaron Reed. Uh, Colin Saunders, I think, is on the bubble now. Saunders really has a specific uh, ability and a specific role on this team. He's an athletic backup three technique. His roster spot or his ability to contribute was hindered last year by Turk Wharton, who just came onto the scene as an undrafted free agent and forced the Chiefs not only to keep him, but to play him based on what he was able to do. So he was already a backup. He was already inactive for a lot of games. If there was an opportunity this year, if the door was open, the Jaron Reed signing closed that door. It's tough to see Colin Saunders making this roster. Yeah, and, and what you said about Warden, it was Warden not the guy that we kind of thought Saunders would be right out the gate. I mean, he, he kind of made an impact similar to like a third-round pick. And and so I, I think you do make a, a good point there. I just – Saunders, you think, you know, you get this athletic guy, you know, uh, you know, small school guy, so maybe you give him a year or two. But it's, it's just you haven't really seen enough consistency. And I know he got hurt at the beginning of last year. That might have throw off, threw off his second year in the NFL, but – when you're, when you're getting outperformed by an undrafted free agent, this is not a good look. All right, with that, let's take a quick break, pay a couple bills, and we'll be right back with you. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we're back here on the Auto Structure Podcast, the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Thank you so much for all of your Twitter questions. We're going to go ahead and get to some of those now. First from Gregory McConnell. He has this version of a game, Ron. We'll, we'll throw these uh, three options out to you, and you have to answer for each of these free agent players, which one of these three options are you going to give that particular player? Is it a one-year contract, a five-year contract, or you wouldn't touch them with a 10-foot pole? And we've got a list of six free agent players, uh, starting with D.D. Westbrook, one-year contract, five-year contract, or ten-foot pole. I, I would, I would say one-year deal. But it, out of all these guys that we're going to name, I'll, I'll, and I know we haven't named them yet, but he'd be the one guy I would give a longer-term contract to just because of his age. 
But, uh, you know, I'll just go ahead and say one-year deal on that. And then you've got Melvin Ingram, the pass rusher. Definitely a one-year deal on that one. Bashad Breland, Chiefs cornerback. One-year deal. I, th- I think I'd love to keep just re-upping his one-year deals year after year. I love how we do that. Richard Sherman. One-year deal. Bring him in. What about Steven Nelson? No, I'm, you know, 20-foot pole. I'm not touching him. Um, I'm, I'm good on Nelson. I think he, he ended his uh, Chiefs career. So I, I don't think there's any coming back from what he did. And then Olivier Vernon. I'd do one-year deal for Vernon, too. All right. So I'm going to go with uh, Westbrook as a one-year deal. Ingram is a one-year deal. I'm going to give Rashad Breland his due, give him his five-year contract. He's waited for that payday for a while. He's earned it every year. It's been a good soldier keep coming back for those uh, – those under market one year contracts. I think he'd like to finally get paid and why not have some stability in that cornerback room. And that's a really, I'm going to give you a two for one answer there. We had a couple of other questions on free agency, like from N R E B A R C H E K. I don't know how to pronounce that, but uh, at who would you add in free agent right now? Uh, and then there was also a question from Dakota Rhodes for, is there a concern at cornerback? So my answer on Breland is, is the answer for both of those that, He's the one player out of all the free agency right now that I'd still really like to see them add back to the roster. He could help solve any questions they have at cornerback when it comes to depth. Not that that's a huge problem at this point, but it it certainly would help answer some of those questions. I'm actually, if we go back to our previous list, when it comes to Sherman and Nelson, I don't want either of those guys near the Chiefs roster at this point. And then Olivier Vernon, maybe a one-year deal. So I think we're in agreement on most of those. I'm just finally willing to pay Breezy, and maybe you aren't. (laughs) Hey, he deserves the multi-year deal. I, I like that you gave it to him. Even, you know, even if we're kind of paying for something he's already done, uh, you know, Super Bowl hero, but he, he deserves that. I do have a little issue with one thing. I, I, I would like Richard Sherman on the Chiefs. I know he's older and I know he's not what he used to be. You know, I think the Chiefs have succeeded with, with less athletic cornerbacks that don't move as well as much. You know, you kind of just need that length, that physicality. I think he still has that stuff. And so I would actually, I would actually be inter- I would entertain Richard Sherman, and he would actually be my answer for the one player that is on the free agent market I'd add right now. Um, I, you know, I'd probably want Breland just because he's familiar with the defense. But Sherman, you know, he's an intelligent player. He's a guy that that understands defenses, obviously. And I do, I do think physically, like how he plays would fit how the Chiefs kind of want their cornerbacks to play, and it would allow Snead to to stay inside. And you know, he doesn't have to be. You know, Snead could probably play over him you know, on the outside, but it depends on the, the contract for sure. You know, if we're, if we're tying financial into this, then Sherman's probably nowhere near this team. Maybe I've got some bias from the Super Bowl watching Sammy Watkins run past him uh, on Richard Sherman. Yep. So, so, so maybe I've got that, that image stuck in my head. Well, we have a lot of questions around D.D. Westbrook. As you might have noticed, there's been some, some chatter out there, mostly on Twitter, about some reported – Chiefs interest, I'm giving air quotes for those of you who could see me here on video, giving air quotes to that because it hasn't necessarily been team interest in D.D. Westbrook. It's been Chiefs players out there trying to recruit him via Instagram or or however. So does D.D. Westbrook move the needle for you? And and hat tip to to Brad Henson on Twitter, uh, also uh, Mike One Chiefs and uh, P. D. Sand Chief. So lots of questions on D.D. Westbrook. What do you think, Ron? I don't think he moves the needle for me. I think it's someone you bring in if he is a free agent and he's a cheap guy, but I don't know if I'm more excited about this receiving core than I was before if he is signed. You know, I, I don't 
I'm not any more excited. I, I think this receiving core is what it is. I think he's just another guy in that McCole Hardman, Antonio Callaway uh, phase where maybe Westbrook's a little better at the underneath routes, you know, could probably, you know, win better at the short route stuff. So, so I could see that maybe, but I just think he's kind of redundant from what the Chiefs do have at, at some of the receiver options. And so I, I, I would love to bring him in. I, I think it's just another body. But like, like he said, move the needle. I don't think I'm any more excited about the receiving core than I was before. Yeah, I mean, I think he's a he's a nice to have. He's a why not? Why not, Adam? I mean, he's a guy that can play X receiver. He can make some plays for you. He's a proven player, at least with some consistency. Like Antonio Callaway, actually, statistically, can make up some of the what we lost from Sammy Watkins. But but you're right. I, I don't know that he changes this offense in any dynamic way. Yeah. So next question we got, which I, I, I really like this question because I did see this on Twitter and, and Graver Tanner on Twitter is asking us about a Nate Tice tweet. And Nate Tice is a great uh, football follow. If you're just a football fan in general, he's a great football follow. Um, based on these tweets, uh, Nate Tice's tweets, which he just went into basically how the Chiefs, the way they're addressing their offensive line this offseason, it kind of seems like they're moving towards more of a uh, gap, a traditional power counter scheme. Uh, than the zone scheme they've been running uh, most of the Andy Reid's tenure. Um, so that's what the tweet was about. And so Graver Tanner asked, based on that tweet, what does this mean for the returning offensive linemen uh, like Allegretti, Rankin, Wiley, or LDT as far as scheme fit? So, Matt, what do you got on that? I'll leave the specific analysis to our new chief analyst at the uh, arrowheadpride.com. That's what but it should be, chief, chief analyst. Why is it lead analyst? Come on. We missed <laughs> out on a golden opportunity. You bet. But big picture, I, I do think Nate Tice is on to something here, and I also saw a similar article from Vin Solak. Uh, I think this team is trending towards Maulers and away from finesse players on the offensive line. The The core of his tweet was around more uh, guard tackle counters and more gap scheme coming, and this is a trend that's happening like so many things in this Chiefs offense – trends that start in the college ranks that Andy Reid's able to adapt into what he's doing and be an innovator on the NFL level. College teams have, have trended more into gap and pulling guards as opposed to the zone schemes that were popular a few years back. So it does seem to be trending that way. And maybe that trend already started last year as Ben Solak reported or, or pointed out when the Chiefs needed a guard last season, they went out and got one of the biggest maulers in assembly in the league that was available at the time, obviously. So so maybe that is the trend. And I think Orlando Brown fits that mold. I think Creed Humphrey can fit that mold. And I think they asked Creed Humphrey and they asked Trey Smith, what you know, what are your favorite schemes to block in? I think both of them said, you know, gap scheme, power, you know, and and that was their thing. So I can see the overall trend, but but Ron, I'll leave it to you to talk about any specifics uh, for Chiefs players. Yeah, I think Rankin and Wiley are the two guys that I do think would would hurt, would get hurt the most by this the scheme change. I think they're both more finesse players. They're guys that move really well for how big they are, so they do fit that zone scheme where you do have to reach blocks and, and kind of get to the second level a little quicker and not just necessarily move people, but just get in front of them. You know, And that's the whole thing with zone. You can get away with having smaller linemen. But I do think like uh, Allegretti and LDT – you know, I, I think they're pretty. I think they're people movers. I think they're they're guys that can get into somebody and, and get them out of the way. You know, they can dig them out. So, I'd say I'd say it's mostly just Wiley and Rankin that could be affected. All right, let's move on. There's tons of questions about former Chiefs players, which I love reminiscing about the the good old days or not so good old days of Chiefs football. 
first one from Brit Chief UK. Shout out to the to the great British Chief yes. Show. It's a great podcast. If you haven't uh, subscribed and listened to those guys, uh, uh, it's a nice, relaxing, you know, soothing listen uh, for your Chiefs content. But uh, his question here is, with Tim Tebow returning to the NFL as a tight end, what former Chiefs quarterback would you trust to return to the NFL and play tight end? Ron, you get the first draft pick here. Go ahead. Well, I got the number one overall pick, and I'm not wasting it because this is the guy, the only Chiefs quarterback to ever throw and catch a touchdown in the same game, Tyler Thigpen. Uh, he did that in 2008 against the Buccaneers. If anyone remembers, we were up like 27 to three at halftime and somehow blew that game. Anyway, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, Tyler Thigpen, he was actually a, a college tight end uh, and then turned quarterback. So it makes sense. And he's just my guy. I always irrationally love Tyler Thigpen for uh, uh, his his play during those crappy Chiefs years. But who do you have? You know what? Thigpen's probably the right answer. I'm going to throw back to those of you that remember the Hard Knocks season and say Casey Printers. Yeah, he's a little undersized for a tight end. He's 6'2", 216. But as we all remember, he can make chicken salad out of chicken stuff. So I, I think, you know, you can do a lot with Casey Printers on your roster. Yeah, we know what that what you meant by uh, stuff. So we, we all know the quote. So I'll move on to the next one. So what former chief would you be most excited about to have rejoin the team? Matt, who do you have for this one? Well, taking Derek Thomas kind of feels like cheating. So I'm going to go ahead and go with the second leading sack artist in, in Chiefs history. And the recent signee of a one-day contract to retire and, and a future ring of honor, one of my favorite all-time Chiefs players in Tamba Ali, the way he played the game, the way he perfected his craft, shared that craft with younger players in the league, and and brought it every single snap, every single game, sweat, blood, otherwise dripping down. It didn't matter. Offensive lineman, arm around his throat, he still was coming full speed right. on every single play. You put Tamba Ali across from Frank Clark, and you've got a, a player who can defend the run and get after the passer and be a tone setter uh, in addition to Frank Clark. So that would be my addition, uh, a healthy prime Tomba Ali. I'd love Tomba, and that's and that's probably the answer here, especially, you know, me, I've been touting, a, you know, another, another edge defender all offseason. But I got to say Jamal Charles. I mean, how fun would it be to throw Jamal Charles into this offense, this current iteration of how many weapons they have, Mahomes kind of opening up the box for him. And now with this offensive line, I mean, you know, we've always talked about oh, we wish we could have seen Jamal behind Willie Rofe, Brian Waters, Will Shields. Well, shoot, he's getting as, as close as he ever has if he's getting behind this offensive line. So I'm going to have to say Jamal just for the fun factor. That would be fun. All right. Question from Negative Eddie 83 on Twitter. Who's the starting defensive lineman or the defensive end opposite of Frank Clark? If it's not Tom Lee, who is it? <laughs> Well, you know, I think it's kind of a it's an interesting question because I don't think there is just one guy, ever, you know, all three downs that's going to be start starting uh, opposite Frank Clark. I think for the first two downs, first and second down, I think you'll see Mike Dana right at first. I think he's a he's he's proven himself as a good run defender. But then I think Taco Charlton should be the guy that comes in on third down, that first third down edge rusher uh, that comes in. And, you know, they'll mix it up uh, how they have, you know, they have a nice little rotation going right now, defensive linemen. And we've heard Jones will pro might be playing, you know, outside as well. So, I, I, but I do think Dana will be the day one defensive end opposite of Clark. 
So I was going to go talk with Charles and just because of his experience and, and how raw some of the younger players are on the roster, but I do agree. It's going to be a rotation. There's really no, it, it maybe doesn't even matter who the starter yeah. is that in air quotes and have a lot of guys in different roles that can do different things. There's a follow-up question here from at Hey on four, two, six, six. He's a little worried about the pass rush. Chiefs were 19th in the year uh, in the league last year with 32 sacks. With this current roster, as it's currently put together, are you taking over or under 32 sacks for the season out of the Chiefs? I have to say over just because it does seem like last year we just were not getting to the quarterback like they pro- like the talent probably says they should. And now, especially with the addition of Jaron Reed, I think that really will open up the pass rush. Having two interior guys as dangerous as Reed and Jones. And then Charlton, if he's healthy all year, he was looking great. He was he had the highest pressure rate on the team last year out of all defensive linemen. It was like a twenty five percent rate. He just didn't play much. Um, so I, I think I think this year we'll see more sacks than that. Yeah, Jaron Reed alone brings that total up at least by a handful. So I, I hammer the over on that if you're betting it. All right, Ron. Last question, and it's from Lay Tony forty four. What would the structure of a Tehran Matthew contract extension look like? I'm gonna leave that to you because you're the you're the structure expert. I think you you will have a little more info on the contract stuff than me. So why don't you just go ahead and and, and take give your spiel? All right. So so the best website for contract information is probably SpotTrack. So SpotTrack estimates Tyron Matthews' worth at this point at three years, thirty three point two million. Uh, but that's ninth amongst active contracts for safeties. It's lower than his current APY. He's making about $14 million a year right now in his contract, and he was the sixth highest paid safety currently. His contract that he signed, again, about $14 million per year, had $26.8 million guaranteed. I think Matthew and his, his agents are certainly going to be looking for more of the top of the market, the Justin Simmons contract. That's four years, $61 million, $15.25 per year with $32 million guaranteed. So throwing a lot of numbers at you here, Ron, but – I think the best comp right now is Buda Baker. Buda Baker is a, a safety hybrid guy that can do a lot of different things, just like Matthew. He's really his uh, successor in Arizona. Baker is making four years, $59 million, which is $14.75 per year with $22 million guaranteed. So that's, that's probably the best comp. Uh, but I can't imagine that Matthew is going to take less than what he's making now, but they might go a little bit shorter. So here's my final answer. All of that being said, um, I'm going to estimate three years, just under $46 million total with $29 million and change guaranteed uh, for Tyron Matthew. That puts him right up there amongst the highest paid safeties, doesn't blow it out of the water, but puts him right at the top of the market. And I think he's worth every penny. Uh, just like all of you who send in such great questions this week, I got to throw that in. Ron, back to you to close this thing out. That was really sweet, Matt. That was really sweet to, to, <laughs> to get our listeners feeling good on at the end of the pod. But no, I appreciate everyone listening. Please review, uh, rate us on which, whatever podcast service you listen to. Um, we're going to keep doing this thing weekly. We'll keep taking your questions. But also, like you saw today, we're going to kind of make our own topics and, and talk some stuff out. So appreciate you listening. Uh, keep following airheadpride.com and, and we'll see you next time. Yeah.